0: voice. All right, we're going to now spend a bit of time um, thinking about verses 7 to 10 in that psalm, which focus on God's Word. Well, when I was at school, my worst subject was English. I've mentioned this before, and uh, I was hopeless at it. And one of the reasons why I was so bad was because of all the reading. I was just no good at reading. I hated it. I was so slow. And when I did read, I didn't understand what I was reading. And I remember in, I think it was year 11... We have to read Jane Austen's Emma. Ugh. And uh, one day in class, we're all supposed to be quietly reading to ourselves, and the girl behind me keeps laughing. And um, I'm thinking, what, what's going on? Why is she laughing? Uh, anyway, I, I think it can't be Emma, and there's no way she'd be laughing about this. Anyway, I keep reading, she keeps giggling, and so now I'm starting to get annoyed. Because as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing fun about reading Jane Austen's Emma. Sorry if you're a Jane Austen fan. but So anyway, I turn around to her and say, what are you laughing about? She says, the book. Emma, it's hilarious. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's painful. Uh, no, it's so funny. Emma, she's such a great character. They're so funny. And I'm just like, what? What are you talking about? And that was just the thing. I I didn't understand Emma. To me, reading Emma was like trying to read a book in a foreign language. It just went straight over my head. And that was kind of how I did English at school at times. And to be honest, for a long time, it was the same when it came to the Bible. As I said, I I pretty much hated reading in general and so did anything I could to avoid it. And so it was the same with the Bible. I, I rarely read it. And when I did, I often didn't understand it or didn't get much out of it. So I thought, well, what's the point? It wasn't until I finished school that my willingness to read began to change. And at first, I think it was actually reading books that I enjoyed reading that started to turn things around a bit for me. And then when it came to the Bible, it was doing a PTC course called Intro to the Bible, which we've run here at church a few times over the years, which gave me a framework for understanding the Bible from beginning to end that started to turn things around for reading the Bible for me. And I think since then, um, which is maybe about 10 years or so ago now, it's been a growing appreciation for what the Bible actually is and, and seeing the treasure that's contained within and then understanding more the work of the Holy Spirit to bring to light understanding and conviction and transformation as I read my Bible, that's grown for me a love for God's Word and a longing to spend time in it. What about you, though? Are you much of a reader? You avoid it, and what about what place does God's Word have in your life, in your heart? Psalm 19 is a psalm of David. And from verse 7 to the end, you can hear it in his words, there is a deep love for God's word, for David, which I think is really interesting because, remember, at this point, David didn't have the full revelation yet. And so when he's sitting down to read his Bible, he's spending a lot of time in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers, books that we would consider pretty dry, pretty heavy going, getting through. And yet for David... It's still so precious to him, more precious than gold, sweeter than honey, refreshing the soul, making wise the simple, giving joy to the heart, giving light to the eyes, he says. Now, why is this so precious to him? Well, it's because I think David understands this to be the very words of God. Yes, they're the words of a human author written at a certain time and place in history, but they're also the words of a divine author. Exactly what God desired written down for our understanding and edification. That's what we get from 2 Timothy 3.16 when it says all scripture is God-breathed. It's breathed out by God's own spirit. Ultimately, it's of His creation. So whatever humans may may have been involved in its composition, its ultimate authority comes not from the human author, but from the God who inspired them, the divine author. Our sovereign God decided in His wisdom to use human authors to record human words to graciously reveal Himself in such a way that we could understand Him and know Him and know the truth about Him. Which begs the question, how do you view Scripture? What does it mean to you that our God would speak to us as Greg was talking about before so that we can know him and know the truth about him and know the truth about ourselves, about our sin and about God's plan of salvation in Jesus? And what does it mean to you that we live in a time and place uh, such that we've got free access to that truth in our own language to read and understand for ourselves by the power of the Holy Spirit, anywhere, anytime we want. Whilst throughout history, and even now, people don't have that freedom and privilege. If you can remember back to our Reformation series a a couple of years ago, we heard that people were prepared to die and did die to have what we have today, a Bible in English, in their own hands, that they could read and know God. Is God's word that precious to you? Do you realize what a privilege, what a gift we've been given? And is it authoritative in your life? Do you approach Holy Scripture with humble reverence? Is it your measure of right and wrong, good and evil, true and false? Or do you come at it as more of a skeptic or cynical because in a a big way that's how our culture shaped us to view scripture as one opinion one voice among many and for us these days ultimate authority is subjective it's relative it's me i'm the final word i decide what's true for me now don't get me wrong i think god invites us to ask questions of him to challenge and wrestle with his word but even in the Scriptures, we see that there is a way to have those arguments with God with a, a posture of humility and reverence, understanding that in the end, ultimately, where I find fault or, or there's a misunderstanding, that fault lies with me or that misunderstanding's mine, not Holy Scripture. And then through the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit, God will bring to light truth where there's misunderstanding and faith where there's doubt. For David, this is his source. It's his measure of right and wrong, true and false. From verse 7, he says, The law of the Lord is perfect. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. The precepts of the Lord are right. The commands of the Lord are radiant. The fear of the Lord is pure. The decrees of the Lord are firm. All of them are righteous. And David's not alone in this. Uh, The prophets, the kings, the apostles, and Jesus Christ himself all maintained a high view of Scripture, affirming and accepting it as the true and trustworthy authoritative Word of God. How about you? When you sit down to read your Bible, what is it that you believe you are holding in your hands? How do you view the words on the page before you? Are they no different from any other book? Or are they the very words of God? And finally, when did you last read your Bible? Was it today? Was it a week ago? And I don't mean hear it read at church or in your growth group, but actually read it for yourself. Not just the verse of the day on your Bible app or your Facebook meme, but actually sit quietly away from distractions, away from your phone, and give God your full attention to hear from him in his word and allow him to speak into your life. Jesus says that we need this to live. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in uh, Paul says that this, his, God's word is our sword. In Ephesians 6, when Paul speaks about the armour of God, The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And in Hebrews it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Do you realize what's going on when you read your Bible? God is alive and active through his word, he's speaking to your soul. It's nothing like reading a uni textbook or a Jane Austen novel. Right? Something supernatural is taking place when you do that because by the power of His Spirit, God is bringing to light truth. He's convicting, guiding, strengthening, encouraging, comforting, challenging, putting thoughts and desires into you that will transform your heart and mind, conforming you more and more into His image, into Christ-likeness. We've been given such a precious gift. Our God has spoken to us and that's incredible. We can know Him, we can know ourselves and we can know salvation in Him. His word is truth and life, it's sweeter than honey, more precious than gold, making wise the simple, refreshing the soul, giving joy to the heart, light to the eyes, and it is enduring forever. It is so good. I'm going to pray now to give thanks to God for his precious word and I'm going to ask him to help us see it as David did, as Jesus did, and treasure his word and trust in it to be our guide of source of, and our source of truth and life. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are not a silent, distant, remote or removed God, but that you are intimately involved in our lives, that you know us and that you have spoken to us, that you have revealed yourself most clearly and most fully in your Son, Jesus Christ, and also by speaking to us through your word in the scriptures. We thank you for this precious gift how good it is that we can know you and know ourselves and know this plan of salvation in Jesus. And we thank you that in your word you also teach us how to live. And yet, Father, we confess that we don't delight in your word as we should. We don't treasure it as we should and we don't spend time with you, listening to you and through your word as we should. Please forgive us. Help us, Father, to see your word as David did, as Jesus did, and treasure this precious gift that you have given us. Help us, Father, to be people who put our trust in you and in your word and allow it to be our guide and our source in life. May it be our measure of right and wrong, true and false. And Father, when we spend time in your word, may we depend on the power of your Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to bring light and clarity in our lives, to bring conviction where we need to, comfort when we need it, correction, a challenge where we need it. May your spirit be at work when we spend time in your word, changing us more and more to be the men and women that you've created us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the last four verses of Psalm 19, David then considers himself and he measures his life against the perfect, righteous law of the Lord. And he finds himself falling short. In verses 12 and 13, he says, Forgive my hidden faults, Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. And it's true for us too, isn't it? When we measure our lives against God's word, we fall short. And so as David does here in Psalm 19, we're going to now confess our sins to God. And first I want to give us some time in quiet reflection to examine our lives and examine our own hearts. back over the past week over the past few days consider in what ways have I fallen short in what ways have I rejected God's rule and way in my life to go my own and then we're going to say a prayer of confession together so take some time now in quiet reflection and then we'll pray together Let's um, let's say this prayer of confession together. And again, it'll be on the screen. Again, it's a little different to what we've done before in in the past SNC, but healthy and helpful. Um, So yeah, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you have loved us with an everlasting love, but we have gone our own way and rejected your will for our lives. We are sorry for our sins and turn away from them. For the sake of your Son who died for us, forgive us, cleanse us and change us. By your Holy Spirit, enable us to live for you and to please you in every way. For the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The final verse of Psalm 19 speaks about God as being our rock and redeemer. And in the New Testament, the Apostle Peter writes these words. And so your faith and hope are in God. Jesus Christ is the rock and redeemer of Psalm 19. And even though we fall short and deserve God's judgment, Jesus Christ, the son of God, the lamb of God, without blemish or defect, was chosen and revealed and offered up as an atoning sacrifice for our sin by his precious blood We can each receive forgiveness for our sins and be assured that just as God raised Jesus from the dead, so too we will rise by faith in him. That is the great news and the great assurance that we can have in Jesus. And so we're going to sing again now in response to that great news.